This week on Erotic Awakening, Nature vs. Nurture, Strong-Willed Subs, and Go-To Fantasy. We enjoy creating and recording these podcasts, and we hope you enjoy listening to them. When you become our patron, it gives us a chance to apply more energy towards creating. For as little as a dollar a month, you can not only support the podcast, but get access to special content. Head over to patreon.com Erotic Awakening and take a look at the options. And regardless, thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening when, Dawn? Right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Last night, you and I watched the original movie, The Incredibles. We did. For something that came out in 2004, it was not as... It still looked pretty good, but it's funny how much graphics can be dated, even when it looked great and looks great, but they still felt dated. It's kind of weird. You keep saying 2004, and I'm like, that's not that long ago. Wait, that's 14 years ago. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. 2004? That is what I read somewhere. It's interesting that Craig T. Nelson and that crew are still around, able to do the voices and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so... Not erotic at all, nothing to do with the podcast, but not a lot to talk about this time around. We do have a great question of the day. We have three new random dirty questions, and then we have an interview about nature versus nurture, but that is about it. So, you know what? I was trying to think, so why do we not have content? Have we not been doing anything? It's like, we've been doing stuff at the space. Mm -hmm. So, just yesterday, we celebrated our second anniversary of being officially open here at the Columbus Space. And uh, what else have we been doing? So, working on this and that, and I mean, both of us have full-time jobs, what have we been doing here? Have we just not been doing kinky stuff? We did Kinky and Geeky Friday night. We that did do Kinky fun. and Geeky Friday night. But we've been doing the things that we normally do. So I guess we haven't just, just haven't noted. Our life is actually kind of interesting, but we but it's not anything new. So I guess we're just not putting anything in the show notes. I guess. So, I mean, we did Poly Speed Dating, the Unconference. <laughs> the, same old, same old. Same old stuff, I guess. So I guess we need to have another trip coming up. What is our next trip? Oh, we Ooh, have a, a big Ithaca, trip coming up. Ithaca, yep. New York. We thought of taking the bikes. And then we figured out how far it was. And that it's a camping trip. Those I combinations, take, yes. See, I want to take a scrunchie chair, and I just can't see bungeeing a scrunchie chair, uh, <laughs> a camping chair, to the back of my bike. And you don't I'd like wipe those... wipe people out. <laughs> you don't like those motorcycle trailers. No, I don't. And maybe they're different now, but um, back when I was a teenager, so I guess they would be different now, Back when I was a teenager, I, friends of ours, I watched their trailer almost flip them in a, in a ride in the mountains as we were following with the car mm-hmm. behind them with all the camping stuff. So, and yeah, that's just kind of scary. So, you know, I don't know when you're crossing an intersection if people are actually thinking, ooh, there might be a trailer on the back of that bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, or something. from our experiences, yeah. they don't see the bike at exactly, all. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so there you go. So driving to Ithaca. We would be getting there in some way or another. <laughs> uh, so, Don, our question of the day is uh, kind of be, seems to come towards focus towards you a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our writer writes in, I sometimes have a hard time balancing and communicating my needs. I am a strong, suburb, suburb. stubborn. <laughs> I just made up a new word for a stubborn submissive, a suburb. I am a strong, stubborn, independent woman and also a submissive. So sometimes I want to lead and do what I want. Other times I want my partner to take charge. And she specifies male partner. She does. So Dawn, do you ever have that? You, I would say you are a strong and independent woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would not necessarily call you 
stubborn Mm-mm. during the podcast, but <laughs> and also a, a submissive and a slave. So do you ever have that conflict where you want to do A and I say, no, no, submissive, we're going to go do B and you want to put your feet in the sand and say, bullshit, I'm going to do what I want to do what I want to do. Uh, only every great now and then. And I can't think of any examples where I've actually done that. So, I mean, we've been together for 18 years and with our dynamic, I mean, I'm very much aware that if you say, no, we're not doing something, then no, we're not doing something. You know, you still give me voice most of the time. So I can still speak up and say, well, I think it'd be a really great idea. And you'll say, we don't have time or we don't have blah, 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 or this or that. Or sometimes I don't get a reason and it's just no. And I have to be okay with that in my head, right? That's what I signed on for. And if I'm constantly digging in my feet and being stubborn, then that becomes a power struggle. And power struggles is not what I signed up for. So I have to remember that I'm a piece of that power struggle. So if I'm struggling with that, then, like I said, that kind of blows up our dynamic. And then we have to rebuild it and put it back together. A lot of that power struggle can be avoided because it's not necessary. And I think the, one of the things that you've done that we've, and we, we've explained this to other people as well, is this idea of what are you, are you really attached to the yes, no, right? If I say, if you said, I want to go do A and I say, no, no, we're going to go do B. Mm-hmm. For you to be able to sit back and say, all right, how attached am I to A? Do I really care right. or am I going to argue because I don't want to lose? Right. And that's the part I think that you've given up is this, the need to win Yeah, I really think so, because um, like I've said before, and anybody that's read the book, Living MS, I talk about how the previous marriage was a chess game, right? And it was all about who could play the right move so that they won whatever it was to win. And it's not because it was the best thing for the relationship or the best thing for either person. It was a win-lose situation. And I just really don't That's why power exchange works for me because I don't want to play that game anymore. Now, there's some projects that come up that I really, really want to do and we'll sit and talk about it, but you still get final choice. And and that's the, because you don't argue about the little stuff, Mm -hmm. when you do speak up in, um, I don't want to say... We certainly don't argue about stuff, but when you do, you know, when I, you say, I want to do A and I say, no, we're going to do B. When you do speak up and say, wait, A is really important to me, mm-hmm. then that gives me the opportunity to, I still get to make the decision. Right. But I know you're not speaking up just because I said the opposite. You're speaking up because something is truly important to you. So I, I have the opportunity to either ignore you and continue on the path or to step back and say, all right, tell me more about B. Why is B more important to you? And I can take a look for myself and say, all right, why, why do I care? Why am I attached? Am I, am I attached to drive in the way I want to go just because I am a capital letter type? Or do I actually care one way or the other? Mm-hmm. So, well, that's good stuff because that's Part of the reason that we've lasted this long, I think, right? Especially in a healthy power exchange relationship. And I know that um, some people will come to me and um, say, you know, but blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And and how do you guys deal with it? And I'm like, Dan's in charge. Dan makes the decisions. And they're like, but, but. And I'm like, no, there's really no buts, <laughs> right? Slave surrenders. 
you know, and, and I always stress, of course I have voice and, you know, I can speak up if I want to, but, um, in the end, we are a power exchange couple. So I, again, don't like the power struggle. Mm-hmm. So I will speak up. I am independent enough and free thinking enough to speak up when I need to. But again, like you said, then I have to look at why I have attachment to that. Right. Is it, is it because I want to win and it's the opposite of what you've said? Or is it because I want to prove I am woman to hear me roar? <laughs> right. Or is that you it really do care about that something. I really do care? Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean that it makes life so much simpler. Well, there you so, go. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so that's the question of the day. Tell us what you think. Head over to our Facebook page, Erotic Awakening Podcast, all one word, and share your thoughts. I'll be posting this question of the day and looking forward to hearing your feedback shortly and we really do like to hear the feedback so we like to know that our listeners are actually listening and thinking about what it is that we share and if you think it's hogwash let us know it's hogwash Absolutely. and why and what works for you and, and one of the things that we've been driving lately is getting people to and, and we love it when you write us directly mm-hmm. but some of the stuff you share with us is fantastic and we'd like to share it with other people as well so if you are a Facebook person and comfortable posting on the Facebook then that's a great way to have conversations as well yeah we do have a group out there write us if you want to be part of it <laughs> so Don um, from our 50 dirty questions that Uh-oh, will turn I you both on I was just gonna ask you that nope. and make you both want sex uh, number 24 this time around. Mm-hmm. Do you have a go-to masturbation fantasy? Yes. <laughs> Part two. Does it really ask what it is? No, it doesn't. Do you want to give us some, a highlight? Highlight? Does it actually involve tentacles? I actually, I'm curious. No, not I, I usually. I kind of didn't think it does. Yeah, not usually. I mean. Um, and does it involve a specific person? No. Or people? Mm-mm. So it's more of this vague. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it is very much about the being taken into a group of people and being used. So it's kind of faceless. It's kind of, you know, and sometimes I find those videos and I've been to Pornhub to look at those videos mm-hmm. and, and Red RedTube, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really careful with those type of sites because of viruses. Sure. So I'm always afraid of those. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'll look one up. And that's usually what I'm looking for. Rough gangbang, rough blah, 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 you know, things like that. But it's where uh, usually where someone, not always blindfolded, but um, and is given to a group of people to be used. And some of those are really hot. Some of them I have uh, taken screenshots mm-hmm. of different pieces of the movie right. so that I can just look at the picture later. Because sometimes there's a specific event that happens. Like, okay. like there's one girl, she's in the middle of all of these people, and she's on kind of like a gyno table, a modified one, that's really got her legs spread. And then there's someone between her legs, and they do a point of view. Mm-hmm. So she's totally bound, arms and legs, and then there's somebody between her legs. Uh-huh. And the audience in the background. Huh. And so it's a point of view of the face between her thighs, but you can see kind of the hazy people in right. the background watching huh. so so things like that that so, actually leads into our, our no no because you question. have to answer the question do, I have do a you do you have a go-to i do have a go-to fantasy i don't um 
Oh, I know my other one. Necessarily masturbate to it, mm -hmm. but it is the erotic fantasy that I have. That's a go-to fantasy, and it really is a fantasy. It's not something I would want to actually have, uh -huh. but it's it's kind of reflective of who I am, I suppose. It's the um, person that wants to come out of their shell, basically. Well, actually, I have two. One's the person that wants to come out of their shell. Mm-hmm. And I help them do that. Right. Um, and the other one, which is not related, which is more of a I would be happy to do fantasy, is to have a, a scene with someone where we're not allowed... Or where, where touching is super limited. So it's all via talk. Oh. That would yeah, be that's odd. that's my other one. That would be odd. So you know what my other one is? Mm -mm. You may know this one, though. Uh, this is the being fucked on a picnic table. Oh, yeah, I do know that one. And you have done that. You have yes. followed through with that one before. In the woods, on a picnic table, 6 o'clock in the morning, campers asleep about, what, a quarter of a mile away or something, and we found this picnic table. And Horrified chipmunks <laughs> watching... Yeah, the chipmunk. Oh, the baby raccoons, too. Yes. The baby raccoons. So, and, um, but I know where this one originates from. This one originates from porn that I used to collect off of IRC. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman that was strapped down to a picnic table and fucked, right? And I just liked that whole bondage and picnic table and outdoors. I love the outdoors and, mm -hmm. you know, big strapping guy taking her, you know. And, uh, I really like that fantasy. And even though I've done it before, it's still a fantasy I go back to. Mm -hmm. So that really works for me. Very but, cool. Yeah. And now, as I was saying earlier, your answer was leading into the next question. Oh, okay. All right. What's what kind one? of porn turns you on? And I think you've actually answered that already. Oh, yeah, I did. So it is. And I really do look for the... And it, it doesn't always have to be... Um, a group of people with the type of porn that mm -hmm. I watch. You know, sometimes it can be a single, but yeah, I, I liked the S&M. I liked the rough body play. I like everything about rough sex, and that's what I look up. So, And sometimes you have to be careful when you look that one up, right? Because there's rough sex that's erotic and dirty and really, really hot, and then there's the rough sex that's not. So I have to be careful when, you know, if someone's truly in pain, and being used, that's not so hot. Right. When it's uh, uh, degrading. Mm -hmm. I don't, oh, God, you know what, though? There, there's that fine line, and it's how I define degrading, right? Because there's the degrading, that's the breakdown, humiliation sort of stuff that I don't like. You know, when they're calling the girl fat, when they're calling you mm -hmm. know, that. I don't like that sort of humiliation. I like the other kind where, you know, it's going on how slutty she is and look at how wet she is and, you know, and things like that. That I find hot. So that's what I look for mm. in porn. Very cool. Yeah. Or the forced blowjobs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it used to be my go-to porn was anything that they cut out any semblance of plot. Yeah. And they just get to the sex scenes. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny, at, at Bad Porn and Brownies... I was uh, just thinking of that. People were always fast-forwarding through the 20-minute blowjob scene. Yeah. And um, the gagging and the spitting. Yeah. Know? Oh, the spitting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For me, the, the go-to porn is... It's very hard to find now because it's become a genre. So I used to really dig amateur porn. Oh, yeah. But now, unfortunately, amateur porn isn't really amateur. There's a lot of non-amateur amateur porn, which is professional porn labeled amateur porn. Looking that, you know, they try and make it look like it's amateur porn, but clearly it's not. Um, 
because it's people that are really digging what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, the other kind of porn that I like, which is kind of a surprise to me, is porn that people I'm involved with self-pleasure to. Uh, when I had Akaya running around every once in a while, she would, you know, I would say, so what have you been self-pleasuring to? And, and actually get a link and say, well, that's pretty hot to find out what other people are, you know, to find out what people are, are fantasizing about. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's a voyeuristic thing for me <laughs> that nice. I really dug. Nice. Uh, and then finally, a very, I think this is going to be a very f- easy question. Okay. Have you ever had sex with your eyes closed? What? Really? Just read that's it, a man. Question? Yes. Who doesn't have sex with their eyes closed? Don't you have, do you ever have sex with your eyes open? I have sex with my eyes open sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So when I when I really want to be aware of who it is that I am with, right? You know, and I want to make that connection, the eye gazing thing, and the, you, you know. So I do like that connection with the eyes open. But I tell you, with the eyes closed, I can feel what they're doing. It becomes all about the touch, and the emotions I'm feeling, and the intimacy, and so it's it's. It's connecting in that way too, even though my eyes are closed. I mean, when my when my eyes are closed, I can just really zone into the connection that we're creating. Right. So and so when I'm not trying to shut people out, if I'm with somebody and my eyes are clenched closed, it is because I am in ecstatic an ecstatic place mm-hmm. with them. So it has nothing to do with shutting anything out. And uh so yes, absolutely. With eyes closed. Sometimes things are so intense, I can't help but clench my eyes closed. Sure. So, and I like that intensity. Mm-hmm. What about you? Same. And sometimes open, sometimes closed. It both has different things that it offers. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Everything else that you said. <laughs> so, that's about it for us. Uh, we do have this fantastic interview about nature versus nurture. Oh. It's a question we've been asked about quite some time it is but don't forget my tentacles do you have a tentacles i got tentacles this time okay from two different people and one is from bat and this was actually hot um people have sent me robotic arms before and stuff that look like tentacles but the ones that she sent me is called a tentacle grip robot Mm -hmm. and it's actually really cool it's just the tips that look like tentacles with the suction cups and just how they move is it actually really does simulate what i expect an octopus arm or a tentacle arm to look like and i can just picture it because they show it holding a water bottle mm-hmm. so i can picture it holding a dildo yeah and <laughs> can you picture like though that. someone who due to a accident had their arms or their hands chopped off and instead of replacing it with robotic hands that look like hands replacing it with robotic hand robotic tentacles hmm i can almost see that I'm curious. But how would that feel? I'm, I don't I'm curious know. now that I've introduced that. If I were to ask you a year from now, what kind of what is your go-to masturbation fantasy? If oh, it, would that's that what be makes it? it? Yes. I don't know. But so I had Bat send me that, and that was really cool. And then uh, she also gave me some uh, um, tentacle jewelry, <laughs> so I can make some um, steampunk jewelry out of it. I might make a, a motorcycle boot bracelet neat with the with the tentacle stuff and then um chip and kitty so they wrote haven't heard from chip in a long time and look oh it's not been that long yeah but this blanket that's on this table has Mm -hmm. a chip 
piece of Chip's T-shirt it in does, it. It does, it does. So in the shape of a tentacle. So, and Chip sent us, um, it was underwater hot erotic photo session. Yep. And the very f- hot, very well oh, done. Oh, very photography. well done. Um, no, and no and absolutely some. No nipples. Well, there's a lot of naughty bits, though. No, they're all covered. With octopuses. With octopuses. Really? Were they all? You know what? That's funny because I didn't even realize that. There's a lot of butts. Uh huh. There's a lot of butt cheek. So, like women swimming away underwater or holding hands and swimming away. But there is no nipples. There's one shot with nipples and the nipples are fuzzed out. Mm -hmm. And any with a crotch, there's a hand in front of one crotch, there's a sunflower in front of another crotch. There's um, the octopus, the the beautiful octopus, and oh, beautifully, oh my gosh, beautifully done. Boy, that is, I tell you, that's something for erotic photography that I hadn't even realized that there was no nips or no pusses. Yeah. It was was all butts. Women swimming away, women walking away. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one woman that was sitting cross-legged on the beach, but the way she had her legs, Mm -hmm. they totally covered her breast and, (laughs) and her crotch, and it was still amazingly erotic. I totally so, agree. Beautiful link, Chip. Thank you. Uh, so we'll get into our interview. We'll tell you really quickly, if you want to come see us in person and smack Dawn with a tentacle, we will be <laughs> Or in, anything else, by the way. <laughs> uh, in, on June, July 5th through 8th, Ithaca, New York. At the Summer Weekend of Wickedness. August 25th in Holland, Michigan. At Second Story. September 6th through 9th in Indianapolis. At GLLA. September 13th. In Indiana. Twisted Trist. Flying on out to Kansas City in September 28th. Which is the Mast Kansas City Master Slave Weekend. Which is going to be a weekend of Dan and Dawn, which is mm-hmm. going to be fantastic. Yeah, we're doing most of the presenting that whole weekend. And then a bunch of other stuff as well. Yep, so come see us. One of the most sought-after topics here on the Erotic Awakening podcast is the idea of, is kink nature or is it nurture? And I'm smart enough to know that I don't even understand the question, but I'm lucky to know smart people. Today on the podcast, we have Kaya, who, after she said she'd be wanting to talk about it, she kept pushing this off so she could do more research, which just proves that you're better prepared for this conversation than I am, I think. (laughs) Kaya, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, sir. So let me start off. Is it just that simple? Is the question that simple? Is kink something that we are born? We're born kinky. The reason that one person's kinky is it's 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 their natural, it's their chromosomes or DNA or any of that jazz. Or is it something environmental or, or what? So I want to start out by saying it's a bad question. And I have an analogy to explain why I would say it's a bad question. Uh, so a lot of people think of nature versus nurture as or, right? So it's one or the other. And while it's true that some things are somewhat a little bit more nature or a little bit more nurture, um, if you compare it to baking a cake. So if I were to give you a homemade piece of chocolate cake, it's the best cake you have ever tasted. And you asked me, was it the ingredients or was it how I cook the cake? Mm -hmm. That question doesn't make any sense. Right. Because you have to have good ingredients and good cooking conditions. Right. I can put the best ingredients in there. And if I burn the cake, it's not going to be very good. Sure. And I can use the best cooking methods possible. And if I use sawdust instead of flour, 
it's not going to be very tasty. Gluten-free, though. <laughs> I, I suppose. I'm not sure if sawdust <laughs> has gluten. I don't know. <laughs> um, so one of the things that if you study behavioral genetics, you come to see is that everything has to have both. And there's a lot of examples where, so for instance, there's a gene that has to do with risk of developing like antisocial disorders and all sorts of mental health issues. And if you have one kind of version of this gene and you have an abusive childhood, Mm -hmm. you are at higher risk of developing those issues. But if you have that same version of the gene and you don't have an abusive childhood, you have a lower risk. Right. So there's a lot of ways in which genes interact with the environment. And so we can talk about risk factors, but it's not it doesn't make sense in the terms of behavior and genetics and environment to talk about either or. Now, when you say risk factors, you don't mean risk in the negative sense that it's detrimental, but just more likely to happen versus less likely. Is that so? Exactly. Okay. So, be, you know, as you, like you mentioned, when you mentioned when I study behavioral gen- genetics, well, I never studied behavioral <laughs> genetics. So why am I, I mean, like, so one of the things that I looked at when I first decided that I was a dom <clears throat> and that I was going to be a BDSM top, I did check into, I looked into my past and I said to myself, is there something about the way I was raised that leads me to not minding hurting people? Now, I'm not a true sadist, but I don't mind topping in a BDSM scene even when it causes pain, as you well know. So, but I can't put my finger on anything that's any different from the way I was raised versus one of my brothers. And as far as I know, my brothers are not into kink and not into BDSM. So what's your analysis of that, doctor? So I think I might respond to that with kink is actually way more common than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. So some studies that I can cite here. So Gratelli and Bivona in 2008 did a study of women's fantasies. Uh, about 40% of women have rape fantasies. 29% uh, find tying someone up or being tied up appealing. 27% find spanking appealing. Um, a Belgian sample of people found 68% have had a kinky fantasy. Um, and there's another study by Joyle et al. in 2014 found about 55% of people fantasize about dominating or being dominated, 46% tying or up someone up or being tied up, 32% spanking or whipping. So it's actually a really common human practice. And it goes all the way back. There is a... Uh, whatever you call a painting on a tomb called the Etruscan Tomb of the Whipping. (laughs) It's 5th century BC and basically shows a girl bent over giving a blowjob and being spanked and whipped by two men. (laughs) Um, So, and, and there's kink is studied all over the world. So for whatever reason, it's something that a lot of humans find appealing okay um so it doesn't necessarily need to be anything unusual or abusive or uh, unhealthy or anything like that just lots of humans think this stuff is hot okay so but and it's interesting you you mentioned 60 percent of people have kink fantasies but 
that's kind of flexible because what I consider kinky and what the next person might consider kinky, you know, might be worlds apart, right? A little um, tugging your hair might be kinky to one person where that's morning coffee for me. But the fact that 40%, when you say rape fantasies, that's a very clearly, you know, we understand what that means. Yeah. And that 40%, that's kind of a uh, really interesting number. I know that the, and, 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 you know, it seems to bear out in the people that I've interacted with that these, um, what I like to term mock rape fantasies are not uncommon. And a lot of it's just losing control, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and I could see where if that's our baseline, then when life happens, either positive or negative, how that can drive, I, I don't know, does that drive people one way or the other? You would think it would drive people away from kink land. So the interesting thing is, so, and I also want to back up a little bit and mention that kink is not very well studied, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a comparison, there's a protein called AKT. It is not particularly, like, as proteins go. It's not, like, front page news or anything. Um, if you put in AKT as a search term into one of the most common databases of research articles, PubMed, you get 62,000 results. Is that a big or little number? A big number. Okay. If you put in the term BDSM, you get 39. <laughs> so um, so I, I want to caveat that, um, especially if we're looking at something like kink and abuse, there's not a lot of studies. Mm-hmm. And so the conclusions are a little bit weak at this point. Um, what we do have t- seems to indicate that people who have been abused are a little bit more likely to be interested in BDSM or kink. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and again, results are mixed. It's not super conclusive. Um, One study found, so this was Richter's et al. 2008, had no relationship between past history of abuse and BDSM. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nordling et al. looked at Finnish uh, SM participants and found a high level of childhood abuse relatively speaking. Um, and of course, all these studies, you also have people who are into SM who were not abused and people who are not into SM who were abused, right? So you don't have ever a one-to-one correlation. It's okay. never A to B. Um, and then uh, Renaud and Byers, 2006, found a weak correlation between enjoying fantasies about sexual submission and being sexually abused as a child. Okay. Now, I suspect, and this is completely high my thoughts and perspectives because this is not something that's been reached as a conclusion by research i suspect for some people bdsm especially with its emphasis on consent and its emphasis on sort of mutual negotiation and setting boundaries and that sort of thing might be a way for some abuse victims to sort of reclaim that part of their life mm-hmm. um maybe But regardless, the other side to that, too, is that BDSM is pretty healthy. So there's a lot of things that being abused puts you at risk for, right? So depression and um, other sorts of mental illnesses and just poor socioeconomic outcomes and all sorts of things that people don't want in their lives. Right. Um, But BDSM tends to be, when it's been looked at, tends to correlate with things like increased subjective well-being. So um, that was in uh, 
the Weismeyer uh, study in 2013, they found that people who practiced BDSM had a higher subjective well-being than controlled people. Um, and in the studies where they have found BDSM to be associated with anything negative, it was strongly associated with shame. Hmm. So if you feel kinky and you're ashamed about it, the shame might lead to some negative mental health outcomes. Mm -hmm. But if you feel kinky, you're being, you know, risk aware, consensual kink, and you are cool with what you are, then that's actually good for you. So even if it is related to abuse or not, uh, sort of my perspective on that is own it. Mm-hmm. If if it's good for you, you're not harming anyone, and then it really doesn't matter whether it had something to do with past abuse or not. It's a good thing in your life. I, I will say from my perspective of experiential knowledge, just from being around the kink community for a while, is that some kinksters uh, are from an abusive background, and sometimes they end up as dominants, and sometimes they end up as submissives. Yep. And often, and sometimes... Kingsters do not have abusive backgrounds, and sometimes they end up as dominants and submissives as well. And just from an experiential perspective, I'm not saying you, you could absolutely argue either way, one way or the other. But I love what you're saying about just own it and allow it to be a healthy extension of who you are. And the more that you find shame in it, the more likely it is to be, as you said, detrimental. Yep. So is there, can we come back to that it is nature or nurture? Is there one, you know, any particular theory on your personal perspective that you could remove one or the other and completely change the outcome of the person? My guess is that it is something like personality and that it's a complex mix of nature and nurture, that it's very much both. Uh, So there's some things, right? So there's a, a syndrome called Angelman syndrome, which is, very clearly caused by a loss of a gene called UBE3A, and it has all sorts of, you know, it's a mental retardation, and um, generally these people are very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, that's that's very much a heavy nature, right? PTSD is something that's very much a heavy nurture. Okay. Right? Yep. Um, you, there's genes that can make you more or less susceptible to it, but you have to go through some kind of trauma in order to have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... This would be something like being outgoing, right? Or being someone who likes new experiences, both of which are actually things that are somewhat associated, weakly associated with being kinky. So it probably has a lot to do with your genes and a lot to do with your experiences and your background. So this might be, and this this is probably going to extend beyond your research and if so and if you have no opinion that's fine but i on a, what do you think about people that use the kink experience as a form of therapy for past abuse even going to the point of having a top uh doing some kind of a cathartic type of scene so i'll preface it this by saying I don't by any means think that kink can be a replacement for professional treatment, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a mental illness, you should definitely seek professional treatment. Um, that said, is something to do with kink, uh, sort, uh, sort of as a 
a side thing to add on to professional treatment, mm-hmm. especially if you are with a kink aware therapist and you've maybe talked to them to make sure it's not like a self harm sort of thing. Um, then my experience has been both for myself and talking to other people that it can be very helpful and very healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think that, what have we not talked about? What in, in your research has come up that is surprising or interesting that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, I think the one thing I also want to mention, so we, we talked a little bit about how common kinky fantasies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also kinky practice. Um, so if you look at people who actually do kinky things, right? Um, lesbian and bisexual women were studied in New York, and 40% of them practice some kind of kink. Okay. Um, Herbenic et al. did a large representative study. 21% of people had either tied someone up or been tied up. 32% of people had spanked or been spanked. Um, Havoe et al. Uh, did a Belgium sample of, of people and found that 46% had done some kind of BDSM activity. So, so just to maybe put this all in perspective, right, I would say a low-end estimate mm-hmm. would be 4 out of 10 people have had kinky fantasies and 2 out of 10 people have done kinky activities. So if next time someone, say, if you're standing in the grocery line and there's a long line and there's maybe 10 people in that line, uh, 10 adults, mm-hmm. most likely four of them have had kinky fantasies and two of them have done kinky stuff. So it's pretty common. So you should look closely at what they're buying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one way to look at it. Um, but so I think part of the nature and nurture comes at this from a, I'm so unusual or such an outlier and what makes me so different from everyone else when really we're not that unusual. Hmm. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and this is not the question, but this is a statement to start with, which is going to be in the context of a question, is, is it... Uh, acceptable to suggest that you have some personal interest in experiencing kink yourself. Yes, definitely. So do you ever find yourself in the middle of a scene and your scientific brain kicks in and says, why, I'm just like the other 30% that feel this and the 20% that enjoy this and 82% of people enjoy my nipple being twisted like this? (laughs) There definitely have been some times when, especially as I was first getting into kink and having a lot of anxiety about what is this I'm doing is this really okay where I looked at just how common some of this stuff was and went you know it's it's not that weird Mm -hmm. it's okay and what is the solution for people that are getting into kink whether they've had a whether they've had an abusive background or not or a religious background or not or a just a plain old plain normal background it would be still natural. Very few people come into kink think, oh, I think I'll go do kink now without some kind of hesitation, some kind of self-doubt or some questioning. Am I some kind of weirdo or some kind of freak like has been portrayed in the media up until fairly recently? It's been fairly recent that we've seen, and even now, it's still very rare to see kinky people portrayed as normal people, but certainly it's it's a little bit more prevalent than it was say, 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend for people that are getting into, beginning to p- follow their kink and find themselves looking in the mirror and going, what, are you some kind of freak? Are you sick? Do you need mental help? I have found it very useful to go to kink things where there are other kinky people mm-hmm. and just meet them and talk to them. It's, it, I think a lot of people have an easier time judging themselves than judging others. 
And so it's, if I meet six people who are all into the same sorts of kinks that I am, and they're interesting, normal people who can hold a conversation and have Mm -hmm. jobs and that sort of thing, then it's a lot harder for me to think, oh, this must be awful because I'm like, these other people do it and they're great. Yeah. Um, And it can also be let you share some of your experiences and see that these other people have some of the same feelings and thoughts and concerns that you do and you can talk to them about it. Um, And if you are concerned that it's a mental illness, I would strongly suggest find a kink-friendly therapist and talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So kink can be it's a relatively risky thing to do there are ways that you can get hurt so you don't want to necessarily not think about what you're doing but it can also be a hugely beneficial thing it's one of the best things i think that has come into my life Mm -hmm. um so do the work to talk to someone who's a professional who can tell you whether give you some feedback on whether what you're looking at doing is a form of self-harm or not being a healthy growing human being, or if it's just, this is a fantastic, healthy expression of your sexuality, go for it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Anything else that we wanted to, I know you did a lot of research coming in here. <laughs> I want to make sure that it wasn't put to waste. There was a great meme recently that research is spending six hours reading 35 papers. So you can write one sentence containing two references. Well, you've got, got- 19 minutes out of your <laughs> research. Uh, Kaya, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I'm still not actually convinced about whether my dominant tendencies are appropriate, so we'll need to do some more research. <laughs> yes, sir. We'd like to thank our latest Patreon supporter, Fredo. Our in music is provided by Pocket Universe, and the song is Whim. The official random EA Instagram follower is Dynamom. The person we've seen most recently is everyone at the Columbus Space second anniversary party. There was actually a lot of people there that listened to the podcast. The current sender of tentacles is Chip the Tentacle Guy. The provider of graphic novels is Johnny Jackhammer and the Good Witch of the North of the Sequential Sex Podcast. And the official food that goes on boobs is a banana at PXS on boobs. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. <laughs>